Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. I'm free now. Amen. I can see her right now, sitting on the edge of, on the edge of my bed, our bed, with tears welling up in her eyes, holding her belly and talking to it. My wife was there, my beautifully pregnant wife was there, having deep, meaningful conversations with our unborn son in her belly, talking to him. Beautiful, emotional scene. I can see it right now. And she was already in this moment tasting of the joys and the wonders of being a mother to a child that she would have to love even before it was not yet fully realized. Already she was a mother, right? She had conceived. And she was experiencing the joys of motherhood, but not yet in its fullness because he had not yet been born. And this is the nature of the kingdom of God that Jesus is going to unfold for us. He's going to unpack it for us in Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. We're going to start in verse 20. But before we get there, I want to set the the context for you, the setting for you, okay? Uh, This is Jesus in in the latter part of his earthly ministry. This is in the spring of 31 A.D., And as Jesus is on his last journey to Jerusalem, where he's going to offer up his life for you and for me, uh, a question is posed to him. And let me parenthetically say right quick here that very much like that illustration I just used about my wife, Jesus would often, as he's describing what life is going to be like leading up to when his kingdom is fully manifested, he would often use the language and imagery of a pregnant mother. He would describe it as we talked last time, birth pains, right? birth pains leading up to the to the delivery he would use that to describe the nature of what life is going to look like leading up to when his kingdom comes in full and why do i say in its fullness well i say that because of what we're going to discover today that the pharisees began to understand as they posed a question to jesus what was their question basically their question was this jesus when is kind of more it's very much familiar to us right in adventist question when is the kingdom of god going to come and as you're listening to them right as you understand it's been now three and a half years jesus you've been talking since the beginning about your kingdom is at hand. The kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is at hand. So it would almost sound like they're posing to Jesus a somewhat impatient yet sincere question. When is the kingdom coming? But when you think of the fact that they've been rejecting the kind of king and kingdom that Jesus has been presenting to them, when you think of the fact that they have been asking Jesus 
questions in the past leading up to this moment to trap him. When you think of the seething hatred that they had for Jesus that was leading up to them taking his life, you begin to understand that actually their question was was not as sincere as it might seem on the surface. Their question actually was more of an insinuation that Jesus had somehow failed at establishing this kingdom he's been preaching about for three and a half years. It came something, it, it would have sounded something like this, like Jesus, okay, well, where's this kingdom you've been talking about? What's going on, Jesus? Is something wrong? Not getting enough recruits for your military, Jesus? Because if you understand the kind of kingdom that they were expecting as Pharisees and that most of the Jews of the time had in their expectation, you would have understood that the, the kingdom and the king that Jesus was, that he was presenting and preaching about, was not what they wanted. They were expecting the pomp of royalty and splendor in a temporal earthly king, kingdom and dominion. They were expecting a overthrow, a violent overthrow of the Roman occupation and oppressor. They had nationalistic views about what the kingdom was supposed to be like, right? And Jesus, what's going on? We're not seeing this thing that, that, that you've been saying is supposed to come. Um, as a matter of fact, Jesus then, you'll understand now with this understanding, you'll understand why Jesus will then go on to say, hey, the kingdom is not going to come through signs and observations. In other words, the kingdom's not going to come the way, visibly the way you expect it to come. It's not coming with the, the temporal show of military might and human strength that you're, that you're wanting to see. As a matter of fact, and, and, and it's not going to come with someone saying to you, uh, look, it's over there, or, or here, it's over here. Because Jesus will then go on to say, shifting the focus to what we're going to talk about now, he says, look, you guys are looking for a kingdom to come that's not only coming in a way that's different than you're expecting, but I want to let you guys know, the kingdom you're looking for to come is already here. Jesus, the king is standing before them in their midst. And wherever the king is, there is the kingdom. Jesus, right? I know some of your translations. Maybe in the King James, New King James. I know some of your translations say that, that the kingdom of heaven is within you. And true, yes, that is wonderfully true, particularly after the cross, the Holy Spirit is poured out at Pentecost, right? The primary place that Jesus wants to rule and reign is in your heart, absolutely. But if you think of who Jesus is speaking to when he says those words, he's speaking to the Pharisees. I don't think, based on what I'm seeing here in the text, that their hearts were really open to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord of their life. And when you really look at the immediate context of what's going on here and you pay a close attention, a close, careful reading of the Greek text, actually you'll see sometimes in the, in the commentaries that are there and, and maybe in the notes in your Bible, it will actually say that the kingdom of heaven is within your midst. In other words, you're waiting for the kingdom to come. You're waiting for someone to say, hey, hey, it's over there. Look, 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 it's over there. But the king is standing right in front of you. And very much like wherever Air Force One is becomes American territory. Guess what? The king is in your midst. The kingdom of heaven is already here. You've already witnessed through his life, ministry, teachings, and soon to be death and resurrection. You've already witnessed the ushering in of the kingdom of God. And then Jesus now turns to his disciples. And as he turns to them, 
He says to them, look, I know the days are coming when you're going to desire to want to see one of the days of my physical presence here as king, but you will not see it. Already tenderly, Jesus is trying to prepare them for his upcoming, maybe in a few weeks, his upcoming death, burial, resurrection, then ascension, then reign from the throne of heaven. And so tenderly, he's trying to prepare them for what's coming. See, they will have to live in the in-between, between his already kingdom that's already been ushered in, though it is not yet fully revealed and manifested. It's not yet fully come, Jesus is going to say. And you're going to live life in the in-between. Yes, those of us that have received Jesus, our Savior, King, are living life under the reign of God, under the reign of Christ, which is a reign of love because his character is love so you're you're experiencing the already not yet kingdom and jesus says i have some things i want to share with you as you're living in the in-between so for those of us if you're like me are you longing for the physical presence of your savior king well, by your response i'm not too convinced but if you are then what is Jesus, the one that we're longing for? We want to see him again, one of the days of the Son of Man. We want to see him. I want to, the one I've been praying to and who's been ministering to my needs and taking care of me and all this. I want to see him again, this same Jesus that you saw go up. We will see him again. The one that had children on his lap but spoke up when it came to oppression and the misrepresentation of God. That Jesus is coming again. If you're waiting for him, if you're yearning for him, then what does he have to say about life and his kingdom leading up to when his kingdom is fully manifested? When his kingdom fully comes? Well, I believe that Jesus is going to unpack that for us today, beginning in verse number 23. If you'll go there with me. Number 23, and if your heart is opened, if you're yearning for Jesus, I believe the Holy Spirit will speak to you today and reveal to you what Life will look like leading up to when Jesus comes in his fullness in his kingdom. Beginning in verse number 23, Jesus speaking. The Bible says, And they will say to you, speaking to the disciples, Look here! Or look there. Does that sound familiar? Did we not just hear the Pharisees expecting that same type of language? For the arrival of the kingdom? Okay. Look here and Look there. Jesus says, do not go after them or follow them. For as the lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven flashes to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this Generation Already what Jesus is laying out for us is basically there is a cross before the crown. There's a cross before the crown. There's a trajectory to the, uh, to the revealing of the kingdom. So I'm going to be rejected in your generation, but there is a kingdom coming, and you won't need anyone to actually say to you, hey, look here, look there, because it's going to be a universal revelation like lightning flashing across the sky. Nobody will need to tell you that it's coming. Every eye will see it. 
But that language of look here, look there, as we said, was the language they were expecting. Why? Because before Jesus came on the scene, and even after, there were many Messiah-type figures, many people that wanted to bring and usher in God's kingdom, kind of help God out. They wanted to bring it in by force by means of human power and authority, like the zealots you may read about in the New Testament. Let's help God bring in that kingdom. And Jesus says, you will not need anybody to help me out. This won't come by human means merely. Human authority and might. God is going to bring this about. He's going to use us in the midst of it. But it's not going to come the way you're expecting it to come. Jesus is saying, right life leading up to his kingdom, he warns us of deception over the nature of his coming kingdom. Over the nature of his coming kingdom. When I was watching the experience of my wife go through all the stages of pregnancy and the, and the trimesters as we got close to the final trimester. I learned a new word. I learned a new expression. Braxton Hicks contractions. Because sometimes they, mothers, you know, you will, you'll experience the pains and, and you begin to go, oh, 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 I think this is it. This is the moment. And dad might be getting excited, wipe the sleep out of his eye and get, got the bag ready, let's go. And you get to the hospital and they say, oh, no, these are just Braxton Hicks contractions. These are, the, these are false labor pains. This is not the real deal. It's not, we're not there yet. Don't be deceived by the Braxton Hicks contractions because when the real contractions come, trust me, you'll know. The water will break. Baby might be on the way. And in a similar sense, Jesus is saying, look, when my, kingdom is, when my kingdom fully comes, trust me, you'll know. You won't, don't be deceived by someone that tries to, to say, hey, hey, the kingdom is over there. It's over here. No, Jesus says, look, look, you won't need that. Trust me. When I do this thing, trust me, the universe will know. When the real deal happens, you don't need nobody to go look on CNN. No. Right? Now, I'm already hearing my Adventist brother and sister in my head right now, because I've, I've been, you know, I am Adventist, so I, would, I would say the same thing. Oh, I know if some Messiah-type figure comes around and wants to try and announce the arrival of the kingdom of God, and look here, look there, look, I'm not going to be deceived by that. I know too much Bible. Oh, man, I, my Sabbath school lesson? Are you kidding me? We just did rest in Christ. We're doing Deuteronomy. I got this. Well, before we... Maybe rest a little too sure in our maybe narrow sometimes view of the nature of, of how this kingdom could possibly come if someone were to come around and announce, hey, I'm Christ, I'm the Messiah, right? I want to direct you to a, a wonderful quote by Auntie Ellen. Auntie Ellen, coming from the Desire of Ages, and it's page 509 if you want to look it up. My favorite book next to the Bible, The Desire of Ages. I want to share with you something that she says here about the same scenario. She says, but today... In the religious world, there are multitudes who, as they are, as they believe, are working for the establishment of the kingdom of Christ as a, listen, as a earthly 
and temporal dominion. They desire to make our Lord the ruler of the kingdoms of this world, the ruler of its courts and camps, its legislative halls, its palaces and marketplaces. They expect him to rule through, listen, legal enactments enforced by human authority. Since Christ is not, is, is not now here on, uh, here on earth in person, they themselves will undertake to act in his stead to establish the kingdom of God and its laws. Did you hear that? Ellen White is saying what she's referring to is Christians seeking to establish the kingdom of what they, the kingdom and what they perceive to be biblical values through force of human government. Listen, as if anybody has ever been moved and stirred in their heart to love God and obey his biblical principles because professed Christians force them through, force them to through the force of government. Are you hearing me? Have you ever been in an argument with somebody? Just even in an argument with somebody about scripture. Have you ever argued somebody into surrendering their life to Jesus Christ? Oh, I give up. You're right. I to, you know, that makes so much sense. Archaeology, prophecy, the, the interconnectedness of the Bible, God's character, Jesus, historically, all of that. Yes, you beat me. I give up. Please, I want to love Jesus now. Can I be baptized and join your church? Have you ever had that happen? Then why do we keep doing it? Like on social media, I just see the, the, the debates and stuff. And I just go, like, nobody's like wanting to go down to the river. Nobody wants to get baptized. Right? Okay, look, family... Uh, Jesus has already told us how his kingdom is to be manifested on the earth right now. It's the same way he did, right? The kingdom of God is revealed and, and established and manifested here on the earth now until it fully comes through love, not hate, compassion, not force, right? Through, through speaking up against injustice rather than complicitly participating in it, right? Right? Making disciples, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, loving your neighbor as your self. This is the kingdom of God. You know, the, the, the reign of Christ is a reign of love, not force, not coercion. Look, this is the same issue coming up, listen, out of Revelation 13, my brothers and my sisters. Warning us, listen, warning us of Christians using government to force conscience. Listen, family, it is Christians, not secularists. That's what the Bible is telling you in Revelation. Are you hearing that? Whatever the persuasion, are you hearing me? When we want to use force, even in your home, family... You want to get your, your children? You want your children to love the Lord Jesus Christ? You want them to serve in the church? Force isn't the way to go. It's the love of Jesus. It's grace. Love for your master. Look at the cross. That's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. But there's one other thing he wants you to know. Come with me. Come with me now. Verse number 26. 
leading up to when his kingdom fully comes. Verse number 26, here's what it says. The Bible says, and as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the son of man. They ate, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, just want to know if you're with me. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Let's pause for a minute and just breathe from what we just read, okay? Now, it's important for us to be clear and clarify here that Jesus is not saying that the activities he just described are wrong in and of themselves. Right? I mean, I'm married. Come on. No. What Jesus is saying is people are going to be going about the mundane routines of life with, with no concern. No heart concern for Jesus and his coming kingdom. That's what he's saying. And because the heart begins to be closed against the wooings and whisperings and pleadings and drawings by love of the Holy Spirit, trying to lead you into the gospel of Jesus Christ, guess what? The heart that's closed to the gospel, indifferent to the gospel and the kingdom of God, really that heart begins to become a part of the problems that are here on the earth. Suffering results, evil, persecution. Are you hearing me? Okay, so it's not like people are just going about innocently with their little cute kids going to, going to Walmart or Target. And Jesus is just like, oh, well, they're indifferent. Let's just whack them. Let's just do that. Is that what Jesus is saying? No. Hearts that have been closed to the gospel are now a part of the problem. And the condition is indifference. Indifference. Because God is a God of love, so he's long-suffering, right? And, and he's slow to anger, but eventually love demands justice. And the cycle of evil and suffering has to be brought to an end. And God, looking down, knows the, the condition of every human heart and those that are indifferent. Everyone has made up their choice about whether they're going to trust in Jesus or not. And God says, all right, we've got to bring, the, we've got, we've bring, it's breaking my heart, we've got to bring this suffering to an end. And to these people, it will come as a complete surprise. It will be unexpected. That's what Jesus is saying. Please, please, listen. He's saying that, that life before the kingdom comes in its fullness, he warns. He says, he says life when it comes in its, uh, 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 when the kingdom comes in its fullness, he says, I need to warn you about indifference to the coming kingdom which will be sudden. In other words, be ready. Live in a, in a vibrant, living relationship with me so that you're not indifferent or apathetic, right? Or, or, or what's another way of saying this? Give me a synonym, somebody. Desensitized. Desensitized, right? Detached from the vine. You know, going back to them, I told my wife, I think it was my wife I was talking to, I said, there's going to be a lot of pregnancy talk in this, in this, in this message today, okay? And so going back to the, 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 the analogy of, of pregnancy, it's, 
you know, it's interesting for me. I don't know how many other husbands here, fathers here can, can relate to this experience. It literally took me a year into having, when our son finally was born, it literally took me a year to actually realize that hanging out with my friends on a Saturday night was no longer a thing. That was, that was done. Maybe they'll come on a Sunday, right? Play dates or something, right? Like life has just totally been altered. It took me a year before my wife went, yeah, you, you, you're a little slow to get that, but all right, okay? And, 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 so, and so in that same vein, I'm, I'm, I'm just throwing this scenario out there. It reminds, me, or it reminds me of a scenario of maybe a woman that's pregnant, and she's seen her doctor, and the doctor says, look, you're in your final trimester. This is about to happen. You're about to have the baby. But she wants to continue doing life the way she did before she was pregnant, right? Maybe when she was single. And so she's going about life, doing what she normally does. Matter of fact, her friend says, hey, girl, you need to come over to my house this coming Sunday night. We are having a birthday party. And so she goes, and she's there dancing, and she's eating, and she's doing all of this. And then all of a sudden, uh uh-oh. And the water breaks, and her friends are looking, and they're like, oh, we got to get you to the hospital. It's about to go down. And then they go, and they rush on the highway. But when they're on the highway, all of a sudden, they got to stop. Why? The baby is here. You see, she was, uh, and look, I, I, I tread softly. I am not a mother, okay? But as I understand it, she seems to have in that scenario an indifferent attitude to the fact that her baby is about to come. Are you hearing me? And so what Jesus is saying here is, is that, you know, I, I was wrestling with this as I've been praying about this message for months. And I said to myself, you know, it's a, it's a strange paradox to me that people could be living life on earth, as I see how prophecy unpacks this whole thing, Matthew 24, 25, and Revelation, and Daniel, all the places. It, it, just, it just, I don't understand how, the, how these two realities can coexist. People going around doing life indifferent, right? When there's also wars, rumors of wars, there's also major natural disasters, social, political, religious turmoil and strife. All this stuff is going down in the world, right? And there are people like literally going, all right, babe, when's that, when's that wedding date? That we're, when did we want to get married? And, and oh, yeah, 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 I got to go ahead and get my, my portfolio together. Like totally indifferent. Like how is this, how is this working together? The world seems to be a pretty stressful place to be. How can I just go along just kind of as if nothing's going on in the world? No anticipation that maybe something's about to go down. Maybe Jesus is coming. These people that keep talking about Jesus and the coming kingdom, maybe they're right. How does this work, right? Until I started to reflect on the last few years leading up to the pandemic. And I started thinking about particularly life during the pandemic. And I wonder if anybody can relate with me here. One bit of bad news after the next bit of bad news, right? I mean, our society is just saturated with overload of information, media, news, right? Social media, smartphones, it's just screens. It's just constantly coming at us, right? And one day it's this, uh, social injustice. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Uh, the next day it's this huge natural disaster, earthquake, and no, there's a, we're going to maybe go into war, and oh, this political drama that's going on, everybody's divided and upset, and Oh, coronavirus, this many people have died. And what can start to happen to you after a while? You keep hearing that noise. What starts to happen after a while? Right? You get numb. 
How many times is someone going to be dead as a result of an encounter with a cop? How many times are people going to be suffering because of a natural disaster and now their country is devastated? How many times is a hurricane going to... Are, are you hearing me? And it, one week it's this. This is the national outcry and conversation. And then the next week it's this. And you're just constantly on an emotional what? Roller coaster. And so after a while, guess what? You become numb or maybe apathetic or you become desensitized or maybe you just kind of just become altogether indifferent. And then, for many people... In order to cope with the crazy that's going on in the world, you end up in self-destructive patterns and cycles and addictions to cope. Can these two realities exist? Have we not experienced one layer of crisis on top of another layer of crisis, but we're still going to Tarjay? We're still hearing what's going on in the world, but there's still a level of normalcy, isn't there? Hmm. Could it be that we could just be going through the motions, the, the routine, mundane experiences of daily life, indifferent to Jesus, indifferent to his coming kingdom? When really, if we're into self-destructive, addictive patterns, really the Holy Spirit is trying to woo our hearts to get us to the place to surrender and say, look, Jesus is what really is going to satisfy you. Jesus is what's going to really give you the rest that you need and the peace that you need and the hope in the midst of the crazy that you actually want. Jesus says, I, I, my heart of love has to warn you about indifference to the coming kingdom. Maybe you're indifferent to the kingdom, so you're not involved in the kingdom work right now in the church. In your bulletin, there is a list of kingdom activity that you can get plugged into. Are you indifferent today? You need to turn, repent, and say, Jesus, no, I, you're all in for me. I want to be all in for you. I, want to, I, want, I don't want to be indifferent. I want to, I want to stay with you. I want to abide in you. Jesus, ladies, there's one more thing I want to tell you before I come, before the kingdom fully comes, and that's in verse 31. And I got to tell you, it took me years to really hear this passage. Maybe that'll happen for somebody today. Verse 31. In that day, he who was on the housetop and his goods, listen, and his what? Goods and his, shout it out. Oh, wow, it was cold. It's cold in here. Mm, let's start again. Verse 31. In that day, he who was on the housetop and his goods are in the house. Let him not come down to take them away. Listen to what Jesus is saying. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not, what? Turn back. Remember Lot's, what? Wife. Probably next to Jesus wept, probably one of the shortest verses in the entire Bible. He just throws that in there. Remember Lot's wife. All right. Now look at verse 33. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will, what? Preserve it. Jesus is basically saying that before he comes, or should when he suddenly arrive, and you are out, and he comes, and your first thought is, man, I got to get that 
that, that PlayStation inside the house. Let me go check on that. Did I, did I not leave the TV on? Did I purchase that thing from Amazon? Maybe that package came today. See, he's talking about your possessions. He's talking about your goods. When he talks about he that will lose his life, right, will preserve it, but he that will give up his life, sorry, he that, he that will try to save his life will preserve it, and he that will lose his life, right? Okay, what he's saying there is your life that's wrapped up in your stuff. Are you hearing me? Those living in the West right now in America in a very consumeristic culture that says buy, 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 buy. Acquire, acquire, acquire. More stuff. Get, 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 get. And Jesus says, look, I got a better way to live because this way of living will cause you to lose out on life eternal. Jesus says, look, look, light, I want to warn you, before the kingdom fully comes, he says, I don't want your life to be tied up in possessions before the appearing of my coming kingdom. And this is why he brings up, this is why he brings up uh, Lot's wife. Right? Lot and his wife and their two daughters are physically, graciously taken out of Sodom before impending judgment. Amen. Right? God's people will be delivered, right? Daniel 12, 1. Praise the Lord. So, so look, this represents God's people. Right? But, but though she was physically brought out of Sodom, her heart was still tied up in Sodom. Her heart was still focused on on that minivan. We're still focused on her house, her portfolio, her career, whatever it is, her lifestyle. Her heart was still in Sodom. And Jesus is saying, what? look, examine your heart. Because when I come, if your first thought is my stuff, man, you're going to miss out and I don't want you to. I want you, Jesus is saying. And where your treasure is, there your heart is. And I want your heart to be with me. I want when I come, you see me in peace. You don't go, man, when he breaks through the clouds, that's going to put a really nice big dent on my car. Really? Don't be tied up in your stuff. You know, there's something to be said about a Jesus-styled biblical minimalism. Even if you have a lot of money, praise God. Remember the poor pastor. But, but, but let's check it out. If you have a lot of stuff, you, I mean, if you have a lot of rather money, you have more responsibility to be generous, to steward well, to, t- to, to provide for your family, yes, to look for the next generation. But watch this. But don't, don't Jesus said, don't, don't waste that on stuff. Don't do it. It's, a, it's idolatry. You know? And he says, only one God who came and died and bled to save you. Right? So Jesus is saying, look, check it out. I want you when my kingdom fully is manifested. He says, look, don't be deceived by the nature of my coming kingdom. There's going to be people that are going to try to deceive you about how that thing is set up. Don't be deceived. Messiah figures want to come. Trust me, you'll know when I come. Trust me, Jesus says, I got you. You won't need anybody to tell you. And then he says, look, check it out. Look, I don't want you to be indifferent. Don't be indifferent to the sudden nature of my coming kingdom. Please, stay with me, please. Vienna, stay with me. That relationship you keep hearing about, like, stay with that. We can help you, right? 
Stay in Christ. And then he says, look, I don't want you tied up with your stuff. That's dangerous. I don't want you to miss out on eternity. It's going to be great. Please, don't be thinking about your Benz or your whatever you're driving. Right? Don't, don't, don't be stuck on your PlayStation. Please, heaven, PlayStation, really? So how do you enter this kingdom now that's already? Enter through the grace of your Savior King. It's the kingdom of grace that's about to give way real soon to the kingdom of glory. You're living the kingdom now if you surrender to Jesus fully and completely. And you get involved in his kingdom life now. And the work of the kingdom now. Today is the day of salvation. Thank you for listening to Living for Him podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend His reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.